Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, listeners. This episode is sponsored by Luke's English Podcast Premium. That is my premium subscription service. Essentially, that means extra audio episodes every month in which I teach you English. It's not just bonus content. It's actually a a whole series of episodes focusing on teaching you vocab, grammar, and pronunciation. Each episode has a PDF uh, where you can read all the notes. I explain things very clearly using lots and lots and lots of examples, including examples from my own life, examples from things like film and TV scripts and stuff like that. Uh, There are tests Uh, pronunciation drills and everything. All the episodes are available in the Luke's English podcast app or online from a computer. So if you want to get started, if you've got questions and stuff, just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. Okay, that's where you'll get all your questions answered, probably. And you'll be able to sign up as well. You can find out the prices and all that sort of thing. teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. Okay, good. Now let's start the episode, and here's the jingle. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, are you a learner of English? Yes, good. Would you like something to listen to to develop your listening skills, and by extension, all other aspects of your English and your life, well, you could listen to this. That's the idea. Learning English through listening. Learning through listening. Listening through listening. Learning through... Listening through learning. Listening while learning. Listening and learning. Learning and living. Anyway, welcome to this podcast. Welcome to this episode. This is part two of episode 666 in which my brother James and I are talking about scary things, horror, evil and general moodiness because it's episode 666 of course. I uploaded part one of this a few days ago and so far there's been almost radio silence from the Lepsters. Radio silence just means like silence, no response. Just the sound of crickets in the comments section and on social media. Despite the fact that I was regularly receiving messages from people before publishing episode 666, asking what I was planning to do for this episode with an apparently significant number. What are you going to do for episode 666, Luke? Episode 666 is coming, Luke. What are you going to do? And I publish it and then... Sound of crickets. So uh, there have been one or two comments, to be fair, but I feel it's less than usual. What's going on? Have you been spooked? by the subject matter. Are you all freaked out by the number 666? Maybe I'd raised my expectations too high. I don't know. It's possibly because the episode got blocked on YouTube and YouTube is normally where the first comments come in because it's easier to comment on YouTube. So nothing from YouTube, but I don't know. The download numbers have been good. Maybe you're just superstitious and like, oh, just freaked out. But like Stevie Wonder once said, superstition ain't the way. He actually sang it. 
superstition ain't the way. Probably like that. You know the way Stevie Wonder often sings like that at the end of his songs? In the first part of the song, superstition ain't the way. And then, by the end of the song, superstition ain't the way. He sort of does that, doesn't he? (laughs) Anyway, let me introduce this properly. This is part two, and there are three parts to this episode. James and I recorded all this a couple of weeks ago, him in London and me in Paris. We did it online, of course. We didn't just shout really loud, can you hear me? Obviously, we did it online. Um, We chatted for about four hours, I think. Now, I've edited that down, but still, this was a marathon recording just because we had a lot of stuff we wanted to talk about. So this is part two. Part three will be coming after this. That's how numbers work, but that'll be the end of it. In part one, we talked about why the number 666 was associated with the devil. And then we talked about the devil in music with a little history lesson from James's friend, Kate Arnold, who is an expert in medieval music. And then there was some rambling from James and me about some of our favourite scary music, mostly the band Black Sabbath, who were probably the first band to really make a name for themselves by being quite frightening. But also we talked about some death metal, some hip-hop and some Aphex Twin. Apologies to those of you who were expecting us to talk more about Iron Maiden and also other genres like black metal and so on. Maybe that's why there have been fewer comments than I expected because all the people who got in touch with me saying, Luke, it's episode 666, the number of the beast. Are you going to do something special? All of those people were Iron Maiden fans and we didn't really talk about Iron Maiden. So you're probably like, uh, uh, like I'm going to comment, uh, no Iron Maiden. Uh, no, no comment from me then. I don't know. So anyway, that was part one. But here in part two, James and I are going to move on from music and instead share a few anecdotes of genuinely scary experiences that we've had in our lives. Scary things that have actually happened to us. So a bit of storytelling in this one. Then in part three of this, we're going to talk about scary films and horror movies. And that will be it for episode 666. So I recorded this conversation with James remotely over video conferencing software and for some reason James's microphone kept cutting out at various times. You might be able to hear it sometimes. He talks and then some of his sentences kind of get cut in half or he suddenly goes silent uh, a bit. I managed to fix this in most cases but sometimes you'll hear his voice cutting out and some words are missing or are half pronounced. It was quite frustrating at the time because, of course, I want you to be able to hear everything that's being said on this podcast. Um, It becomes a bit more obvious in the second half of this episode. So if you hear James's voice cutting out sometimes, it shouldn't be too bad. I'm probably um, making um, making a mountain out of a molehill, probably. There's an idiom for you. Okay, we've got to keep moving forwards, though. I'm probably making a mountain out of a molehill, making something big out of something that's quite small. But anyway, I hope you don't find those little audio issues to be too distracting. Hopefully, you won't even notice, and what I'm saying now is completely unnecessary. Uh, So hopefully, you won't notice, although obviously, you will notice it now because I've mentioned it. Anyway... Without any further ado, let's jump back into episode 666 with some scary stories of real-life experiences from James and me. And here we go. Come on, let's talk about some scary stories. We thought that we would just share some scary experiences. 
uh, because scary stories are good. They're fun. Yeah, you go first, because yours is quite scary. Do you want me to go first? Yours is more supernatural than mine. Full disclosure, right? I have told this story on the podcast before, but it was ages ago. It was maybe in episode 180-something. Yeah, episode 140 I did. Some of you will have already heard this. Some people will be like, oh, I've never heard that. I never considered going back into the archive to listen to those old episodes, or I just haven't had time is probably what you're thinking. But yeah, in episode 140, which was called Ghost Stories, I told stories that were true and that had happened to me. Um, mm-hmm. And you probably don't know any of these except one of them. So the first one was um, the Japanese running tap. Uh, the second one was uh, the bouncing ball. The third one was the scary clock. And then the fourth one was the Lapworth walk. Now, you know about the Lapworth walk because you've, you've done that too. I'm now going to talk about the, the scary clock, okay? All right. Okay. So, so this is a thing that happened to me, um, let's see, when I'd just come back from Japan. So I came back from Japan at the end of 2003. And so by, yeah, the... 2004 I was living in London you'd gone to I think you'd gone to live in New Zealand because you went okay. you went in summer 2004 so I was living on my own in Ealing and it was um around the time of Halloween so if you like um yeah it's sort of autumn of 2004 the year after I got back from Japan and I was still feeling a bit weird because I'd got used to living in Japan and I had this weird reverse culture shock. So I was in a sort of slightly weird state anyway, living on my own. I didn't really know what I was doing with my life, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, I went down to South London to stay with Aaron, who is a, a mutual friend of ours. He's been on the podcast before. actually. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Aaron. And um, so it was, yeah, around the time of Halloween. And so it was Aaron and me and uh, his housemate, Joe, and the three of us were sitting around having a few beers and we were sort of talking about scary stuff. And he was talking about how his girlfriend, this is context basically, but he was talking about how his girlfriend, uh, his ex-girlfriend, Joe's ex-girlfriend, used to wake up in the middle of the night. No, no. She used to sit up in, in bed in the middle of the night and sleep talk right and she used to sleepwalk as well he said he told us a story of how she walked out of the flat into the road and stuff like this um but this one uh, he, he said that she used to sit up in bed and talk to someone in the room okay Ugh. Ugh. and he would wake up in bed and he'd turn around and see her sitting up in bed eyes open having a conversation with someone who apparently was like sitting on the end of the bed and she was talking in her sleep dreaming but it looked to him as if there was someone there she was talking to with her eyes open. It must have been really, really weird. Anyway, we were scaring each other and stuff with stories like this. And I then, it was time to go to bed. I was sleeping on the sofa downstairs in the living room. And if you remember Aaron's old house, it was one of those old Victorian houses down in, in South London. And they're very narrow and very tall. And the living room opens out into the dining room. And so you get this long, narrow room. So I was sleeping on the sofa, but the room was open. And all the way at the other end, there was the um, the window into the garden. And there were cur- the curtains weren't closed. So there was just like weird, creepy uh, plants and le- tree branches. And it was just a bit spooky already. 
I know that window. I know that exact locale. And you know when you're in a in a place and it's dark and there's a window at the end of the room that's open and you kind of feel like that's the sort of room where I'm going to see something or you know just you feel a bit scared. Anyway, I went to bed that night and I woke up in the middle of the night um and I was completely paralyzed in bed. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I have, but not for very long. It's kind of when you're in that in-between dreaming and waking and you kind of think, go on, move, and you don't. Or I've had it in a dream. I've actually had it in a dream. I've never had it while I'm conscious. I went through a phase of having it all the time around this period. I don't get it anymore, but I used to have it a lot. And so I woke up. I was definitely awake, but I couldn't open my eyes, right? And uh, I was frozen. I couldn't move. I was desperate to move, but I couldn't. And I was just like really scared i just had this sense of dread this feeling it's a bit like what was it bill ward was saying that he woke up and he looked and he 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 couldn't move and he saw a dark thing at the end of the bed geezer actually is it geezer butler saying that yeah Yeah. so i had a similar experience i was lying there i couldn't move i was i was lying on my side facing the wall but i was absolutely convinced that there was something in the room with me Right, but I couldn't open my eyes and I was frozen. I couldn't move. And I, what I really wanted to do was to turn round, open my eyes, and sort of face this thing, challenge it. Because, you know, if there's something there, you want to make it go away. And so I was desperate to like turn around and actually face it or look. But I couldn't. I was actually frozen. And I stayed like that for, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. It was really weird, really, really, really disturbing and scary. And I was completely uh, petrified. So that was that was disturbing. How did you snap out of it? I went back to sleep eventually. Just oh, I might as well go back well, no, to sleep. Because the thing is, I'll, I'll explain in a, in a bit. It's a thing. It's a phenomenon that happens. No. no. So anyway, that was really disturbing. And then later on that night, I think it was just as the sun was coming up or something. I woke up again, and I was lying on the sofa next to the mantelpiece above the fireplace, and on the mantelpiece there was a clock and I woke up because the clock was doing this okay yeah and the hands were spinning around so I so I I thought the clock the alarm it's an alarm clock the alarm is going off is what I thought and I was like how do I stop it so I was you know when you're half asleep and you're trying to stop an alarm clock and you can't quite grab it and you're stretching and and you don't know how which button to press so i was doing that and i had the alarm clock the clock in my hands trying to stop it and i realized there's no button there's no button on this thing to stop it making this noise and the the hands of the clock were spinning round. shit with the hands that, of the clock spinning round. That's well evil dead and um and i couldn't stop it and I was like, maybe it's one that you have to like whack. And I was whacking it and that didn't work. And in the end, I pulled the batteries out and then it stopped. Ooh. But it was kind of like, fuck, fucking, ah, and then I was like, ah, get the battery thing open and just pull the batteries out, ah, pull the batteries out. Ah, and it stopped. And that was really disturbing. Especially after the other thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I just lay there on the sofa, just feeling very disturbed and weird. Okay, now there are explanations for both of these things. Do you want to know what they are? Uh, the first one is a commonly known issue. Mm-hmm. And the second one, because the batteries were running out, it malfunctioned. 
No, that's not that's not the second the answer to the second one. So the first one, uh, waking up paralyzed, convinced that there was a thing there, but being unable to do anything about it is something called sleep paralysis. And it's a well-known phenomenon. And there's even a TED talk about it and stuff. And uh, what, what people often report is that they feel that there's something on their chest, like a thing that's bearing down on their chest, stopping them from breathing even. That's even scarier. Yeah. And people even can can sort of even hallucinate. The thing is what it is, it's a, it's, it's a cross between a waking state and a dream state. So when you're sleeping, your body goes into a form of paralysis. It's, uh, I don't know, chemicals or whatever, your brain produces chemicals that basically stops your body from moving too much. Sometimes you do move, you have these jerky movements and stuff occasionally. But generally speaking, you don't move in when you're when you're sleeping, because your body is is kind of paralyzed, your brain has switched your body off or something. Yeah. Um, but it's possible to kind of have a kind of a dream or to wake up slightly, but the sleep paralysis is still happening. And when you get this kind of half wake, half half awake, half dreaming state plus sleep paralysis that's continuing, it feels like you're frozen, you can't move, even though you're conscious. And also you get that kind of sense of in being in the dream world so you can feel that there's something going on that's not really going on. So it's it's a it's a recognized medical phenomenon called sleep paralysis and people get it all the time and the the theory in the TED talk is that this might account for quite a lot of paranormal experiences that it's actually people experiencing sleep paralysis maybe that's what Geezer Butler experienced uh, in that anecdote he told well I think these things are all in the mind I don't think there's literally such a thing as ghosts walking around but the mind is incredibly powerful. But the ghosts don't walk around, they float. Okay, but you know what I mean. Um, but everything that we see and perceive is interpreted by our senses anyway. What we think we're seeing, we're seeing a very limited view of the world. And even what we think we see, like we might think we have a sort of 180-degree vision, most of what you see is your brain filling in the gaps of your periphery vision. So if you're seeing something off to the side of the room, your brain is just telling you that's a bookcase because it knows it's a bookcase. But I think this can explain why people see things because the brain is actually interpreting a lot of data all the time. We're not just passively viewing the world. We're interpreting all this data all the time. There's another phenomenon as well, which is when the brain creates patterns or sees things in random uh, data. You see faces and things, which is obviously an evolutionary thing to help us stay alive. But when you see the face of a sort of scary monster or a person or, a, you know, just a face in general in a random pattern, that's because we're, we're evolution, evolutionary evolved to, to do that. Yeah, when you look at a cloud and you realize it looks like a, a dog or something like that, or when you when you just look at uh, tea leaves and you see things, or if you're looking at uh, rock formations and they turn into animal features or something, yeah, exactly. That's that's what's happening. That the brain um, is 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 has evolved to um, see things in random patterns, which. You know, a lot of stuff like ghost sightings in mist and stuff like that is is the brain basically making random stuff into forms that you that you recognise in order to make sure that you're not getting attacked by a tiger or something. 
Hello, I thought I'd just interrupt here briefly to explain that phenomenon I was talking about there. I have actually talked about this on the podcast before in the Holiday Diary series when my wife and I went on holiday to the canyons in America and we saw lots of rock formations and it was so easy to see different faces and features in these rock formations. So the phenomenon that we're talking about is called actually pareidolia. And it's the tendency for incorrect perception of a stimulus as an object, pattern or meaning known to the observer, such as seeing shapes in clouds, seeing faces in inanimate objects or abstract patterns, or hearing hidden messages in music. Pareidolia can be considered a subcategory of apophenia. Common examples of pareidolia are perceived images of animals, faces or objects in cloud formations. The man in the moon, that's when you think that there's a face of of a man in the moon. Uh, the moon rabbit, some people think that there's a rabbit in the moon. And other lunar pareidolia. The concept of pareidolia may extend to include hidden messages in recorded music played in reverse. So that's when people take, for example, heavy metal records or Beatle records or stuff, and they play those records backwards and say, hey, listen, look, it sounds like they're saying I buried Paul or something, even though it's just sort of meaningless noise. Um, But they kind of interpret that kind of random weird noise as an actual message. So hidden messages in recorded music played in reverse and hearing indistinct voices in random noise such as that produced by air conditioners or fans. Pareidolia was at one time considered a symptom of human psychosis, but it's now seen as a normal human tendency. Uh, So I'm reading this from Wikipedia. So apparently pareidolia is a subcategory of apophenia. Apophenia is the tendency to mistakenly perceive connections and meaning between unrelated things. Uh, It was coined by psychiatrist Klaus Conrad in his 1958 publication on the beginning stages of schizophrenia. He defined apophenia as unmotivated seeing of connections accompanied by a specific feeling of abnormal meaningfulness. So that's when things that are actually not connected when you're experiencing apophenia, these completely unconnected things may seem to be especially meaningful to you and you might feel like these, all these things are connected and it's all creating some sort of um, interconnected, meaningful system. So you're, in, you're kind of uh, interpreting unconnected things as if they are all part of a meaningful, connected system. Um, apophenia has come to imply a human propensity to find patterns in random information. And that includes things like uh, perhaps finding certain meaning in numbers. And like if you become obsessed with a certain number for some reason, like often this this is very common, it may happen to you, you might find that there is one particular number which for you seems to be very personal and very meaningful to you. And then you start suddenly seeing that number everywhere and you start assuming that this number has special significance and you start noticing special connections between these numbers. And this could account for maybe one of the reasons why people get so superstitious about the number 666, that they mistakenly assume that it somehow refers to the devil and then 666 in maths becomes a pattern which people start uh, finding connections with and then it becomes more, more and more meaningful but it's just a 
common human tendency to find patterns where there actually there are no patterns. And it includes other things like gambler's fallacy. Uh, gambler's fallacy is uh, when gamblers imagine that they are seeing patterns in numbers that appear in lotteries or card games or roulette wheels. Okay, so there you go. That's uh, apophenia and pareidolia. I should also mention sleep paralysis, actually, because that is, in fact, what we're talking about here. We ended up going off on a little tangent there about uh, the way that the brain perceives things that uh, aren't really there, like uh, filling in the blanks in your peripheral vision and so on. Uh, But originally, we were talking about sleep paralysis because that is the first half of my story. There's also the weird clock, but we're coming to that in a moment. So sleep paralysis, this is when, and I'm looking now at the NHS website, that's the National Health Service in the UK. So I'm looking at the NHS website, and they define sleep paralysis like this. It's when you can't move or speak as you are waking up or falling asleep. It can be scary, but it's harmless, and most people will only get it once or twice in their life. What happens during sleep paralysis? Well, during sleep paralysis, you may feel awake, but you cannot move, speak or open your eyes. You might feel like someone is in your room. You might feel like something is pushing you down and you might feel frightened. These feelings can last up to several minutes. Well, that's exactly how I was feeling. Uh, Causes of sleep paralysis. It happens when you can't move your muscles as you're waking up or falling asleep. This is because you are in sleep mode, but your brain is active. It's not clear why sleep paralysis can happen, but it's linked with insomnia, disrupted sleeping patterns, um, post-traumatic stress disorder or general anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and a family history of sleep paralysis. Never heard of there being a family history of it, but certainly for me, I have had periods of insomnia and sort of bad sleeping patterns. Um, And so anyway, there it is. I wanted to mention, actually, I know I'm getting carried away with this little little interruption here, but uh, I did want to mention, where did I write this? I did want to mention that this reading that makes me realise that I've had sleep paralysis lots of times in my life. The most common forms of sleep paralysis that I've had are usually when I'm lying... It used to be when I lived on my own uh, in my flat in London. So it, I'd be lying in bed facing the wall, but I would feel that there was something standing behind me, standing in the room, like looking at me. And I would be desperate to turn round to face this thing, but I can't. And I have a feeling of pure dread. It's like just a feeling of total fear. And I'd feel like that until I eventually fall asleep again. Uh, That's one way it happens, or happened, because it doesn't really happen to me anymore. The other way it used to happen would be that I was frozen in bed while certain that there was someone in my flat or that someone had broken in or someone was trying to get in the front door. So lying in bed, uh, aware that there's someone at the door or someone trying to break in, uh, but unable to move, unable to open my eyes and move to to do something. Desperate to get up and challenge the person to be like, Oi, get away from my door, but being completely frozen in bed. Terrified, unable to move. And then in the morning, after I'd woken up, I would think, was that really true? Did that really happen? Was someone really at my door last night? Or was it all just a weird sort of dream? Because it felt like it was real. 
Um, and then I would be completely sure to lock all my doors correctly every night afterwards. Very weird experiences. I wonder if any of you have ever experienced sleep paralysis. Have you ever experienced that? If you have, let us know in the comments section. And so that's that's the sleep paralysis thing. But when you experience it, it's terrifying when you actually experience it. I have experienced it while dreaming. So actually in a dream, I, I guess it's kind of in between these states where in the dream you're trying to move and you can't. Mm. And I think I've had it very briefly just before waking up but i've never had it where i'm really conscious and i'm like going shit this is you know this is happening it's been a very fleeting thing yeah and what about the clock then so you thought maybe it's just the clock malfunctioning so um i told aaron about this and he explained it that it was a uh, it was one of those automatic clocks that resets the time automatically you know it was a it was a you'd lost an hour for summer summer hour summer whatever you call it yeah so in the spring the you spring you spring forward so the clocks go forward an hour and in in autumn or fall the clocks fall back okay spring forward fall back and so the clock was automatically adjusting itself one hour back but because clocks don't like to go back it was going all the way through 11 hours to reset to an hour earlier that's really interesting. I didn't know you'd get clocks that did that, to be honest. Yeah, there are clocks that automatically will reset themselves to fit in with daylight saving hours or whatever it is. Yeah. So at midnight then? No, it did it at some other hour in the morning, in the middle of the night. Um, I don't know. Normally that happens at about two o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning, doesn't it? That's when the clocks uh, change normally. It doesn't happen at midnight. Ah, didn't know that. So voila, there you go. That's... Those are the explanations, rational explanations. Rationalised. Yeah. So there you go. That's just a couple of scary things that I've experienced. What about you then? Okay, my scary story. This is when we were living in the countryside, more or less. And um, it was late one night, and I heard a noise out of my window. I kind of quite a loud but a kind of rustling someone moving through the undergrowth sort of sound and it sounded like someone really moving through sort of dense you know trees and maybe knocking a you know breaking a few branches we lived in the countryside ish at the time and it was very quiet out there so you'd hear all these sounds especially cracking of of twigs and things you know it sounded like someone moving around and i thought someone was trying to break in over the road and I thought, that sounds like a human moving around. I don't know what that is. It's it's a weird noise, and I don't like it. I think we should check it out. So I got Dad. So, Dad, I think someone might be breaking in next door. Let's just go and suss it out. I just want to shout and see if there's a reaction. So we got to the sort of driveway, and there was a gate, and then very dark drive ahead. It was more like a sort of a little country lane almost, like a little little kind of private lane. With trees around it and stuff. Very, very heavy tree, tiny little thing, you know. Uh, you could barely get a car through there, I don't think. And um, so we got to that, and we could still hear this noise, this kind of crack, and then a rustle, and then a crack. And it really sounded like one or two people moving through the undergrowth. So I kind of put on a kind of scary voice and went, Oi! Like that, which is, you know, a good go-to thing to do. In Oi! Like scare someone, yeah. 
and you know, in the kind of like, I'm a really scary bloke kind of voice. And I kind of went, Oi! And um, there was no pause. I expected it to stop. You know, if someone was moving in there, you'd expect to either them to either run or freeze. And I thought it would stop. And there was no stop at all. There was no change at all in this sound, not even for a second. So I was like, okay, it's not a human. Just didn't seem, you know, just wouldn't be your reaction. Or even an animal. So we climbed over the gate. If it was a horse or something, the horse would probably react. So it was it was no reaction. So we climbed over the gate to see what this noise was. And we started going down the drive. Dad was kind of behind me. And he was kind of as puzzled as I was by this by this point. And as we got about ten yards down this little driveway, the noise got louder. And then it sort of this occasional cracking turned into a kind of consistent crack, 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 crack. And I went Dad, this tree's falling over. And we ran. You turned, we turned round. Ran. Full pelt. And as we ran, all this cracking turned into... <laughs> and just where we'd just been standing, a huge old oak tree collapsed and landed where we'd been standing. And we vaulted over that gate. I mean, it took us a couple of you know seconds to get over on the way there. On the way back, I vaulted it in one jump because it was just we're gonna die you know um the whole tree this massive tree crashed down where we'd just been standing and we were like shocked and stunned (laughs) and then all these wires started pinging around above our heads was it like the sound of wires yeah yeah and i said oh my god i think they're electricity wires and dad said um no, they'll just be telephone wires, and I was—I thought I best not touch them anyway. Just to be, they were like just above our heads. Yeah. So we went back, and uh, I can't remember what happened. We, I think the, the we phoned the neighbours, and they came out and had a look, and they had to hire a guy to take you know chop it up. But that was my scary story. It's not very supernatural. In fact, not at all supernatural. But wait a minute. But we both you both very nearly got crushed. But didn't you then later very, very learn nearly, yeah. that those cables weren't telephone cables? They were live electricity cables. You, you learned that the next day. So there's dad going, no, no, I'm sure they're fine. And so it's a good thing you didn't touch them. Yeah, really good thing. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking to you now. Wow. Definitely scary. Especially the, the whole, like, what is this weird noise? What is that? And walking into the darkness down this dark path and hearing this noise. And there must have been, yeah. a, must have been a moment where you were like, wait a minute, what on earth is that? I have no idea what that is. And then you realise, wait yeah, a minute, oh my was- God, it's a huge tree that's going to kill us. Run. Yeah. Another scary story I've got, very briefly. I was in New Zealand. I went around to see my mate. He just got a new motorbike, some 900cc Kawasaki like absolute beast you know and um i've never been anywhere near a motorbike before i wasn't dressed to be on a motorbike i had trainers jeans and a like a a windbreaker sort of light jacket on he said let's go out for a little run so he put the helmet on and he just fucking took off so you hadn't even had i was riding pillion on the back sorry i'll let you carry on go on myself or to get used to it and i had my hands gripping the back you know rather than round his waist i thought i'll start out kind of cool guy and if that doesn't work out i'll hold on to his waist if i get nervous you know but i'll start out like this and i was leaning all the way forward but only holding on to that back bit behind me and he just 
took off and I didn't have a chance to stop him to, to knock on, you know, you can't hear anything. You can't go, Oh, fucking slow down. You nutter. And we were off on the motorway in the fast lane doing 150 really, 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 really fast. So like overtaking zigzagging through traffic, overtaking between cars. And I was just like, I've never felt so close to death in my life because I knew if I lost my grip, I'd die essentially, or I would would be as as good as anyway. No leathers on. And we went all the way around the bays, all the way around the bays and finally got back. And I was just like, my hands were like gripping onto this fucking thing. Like, you know, like my fingers would hardly unlock because you couldn't let go. And 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 I was sweating and I was just like, what the fuck we, you couldn't let go of the handle. Let go and change position. All I could do was lean further forward, and that encouraged him more. Because when he got off, he was like, "It's brilliant. You were really leaning into the curves with me." My girlfriend just sits there, and I was like, "I was leaning in because I was fucking terrified. <laughs> Thought I was going to die." So that's my other scary story. Wow! I will never bike ever again. I was in Germany a couple. My friend's my friend's husband picked me up. Um, and we went back to his and he showed me his motorbike and he was like, we've got half an hour to kill. Do you want to go out for a ride? And I just said, no. <laughs> He's like, I'll be really careful. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Wise. Very wise. They're, they're extremely dangerous motorbikes. Honestly, I know what the kind of terminal velocity is because from skateboarding, from skateboarding, you know what kind of injuries you can sustain at speeds you know, on a skateboard, you're not really going to be going much faster than 20 miles an hour. I mean, you know, some people go faster. But even falling off at that speed, you, you know, you're in trouble. You know, going full pelt down a hill on a skateboard and you come off, you're going to really hurt yourself. Add times that by like six. <laughs> you, you just don't stand a chance. So it just terrifies me, that kind of thing. Okay, so that's like a bit of a diversion from Spooky, but... um thought it was quite a good one yeah that's really a, a scary. cautionary tale yeah absolutely now that's that's terrifying i yeah. know i know the feeling i've i've had a similar experience but not as bad so i, I um i had a mate who had a, a, a you know these guys where we used to live they'd get cars and they'd soup up the cars they'd modify the cars so they could drive really fast and they were really 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 bad drivers they would drive at top speed all around the place at uh, boy racers what they're known as they're uh, really tailgating people they should be locked up <laughs> <laughs> but extremely dangerous boy uh, racers boy racers teenagers boy ra- like 18 19 year olds who've got cars and they've made them their cars really fast so this friend of mine had a golf gti and it was a um i think it was like a second generation golf gti a great car a really cool car and he made it look really cool but he used to drive it like an absolute madman and he i'd never been in it before and he picked me up and he's like come on uh, i'll take you to wherever it is we're going and he proceeded to drive as fast as humanly possible around all the lanes and through the town and stuff like that and i was i absolutely hated it you know because it was so dangerous and stupid and he was like you know the back end of the car was was slipping um it was it was exciting it was smooth and exhilarating like an aerial motorbike (laughs) but slash terrifying yeah exactly 
Uh, shall we... Roads scare me about as much as anything in life. Yeah, roads, being on the roads, is that's probably the most dangerous thing that we do. Yeah. I mean, never mind ghosts and, you know, demons and stuff. Just be a careful driver. Yeah. Driving is definitely the... Well, is it like smoking, driving? These are probably the most dangerous things we do. But driving, I think, kills more people. I mean, if they invented cars now, someone would go, but isn't this a bit dangerous? Yeah. Yeah, you can really easily reach a speed in a car that will kill you. Really, really easily. Mm-hmm. And like, we're driving, all you have to do is lose concentration and drift into the other lane, and you're dead. It's like, there's got to be a safer way of doing this. Yeah. In the future, when all our cars are automatic... And they're all controlled by artificial intelligence that doesn't make mistakes. Or maybe if it does make mistakes, they're only occasional. And uh, certainly the number of accidents is much lower than it is uh, now when humans are driving cars. So when we have automatic cars in the future, if that ever happens, if we ever get to that that place, maybe maybe it'll, we'll never make that, uh, that step. But um, if we do... And that becomes normal. We'll look back on the days when people were just driving cars, you know, driven by humans who who get distracted and fall asleep and do things and crash into each other. And we'd think it was incredibly dangerous. I can't believe we lived so dangerously. It'll be like now when we look back at medical practices from 200 years ago and we think it was it was ridiculous, the amount of infection that was going on in hospitals and the way they would just cut people's legs off with sores and stuff. Life was so dangerous in the past. People in the future will look back at the way we drive and go on motorbikes and stuff on roads now, and they will not believe how reckless we were. Maybe, maybe. I mean, some of those big American cars of the uh, 50s and 60s and 70s were super dangerous. I mean, um, some of the brakes were terrible, and they had huge engines, huge weight, so very hard to stop and very hard to steer. I mean, a lot of them you turn and it would just carry on straight, but just slide. And also the way they were designed was so poor that if you were in an accident with one of those cars, that, you know, it's very unlikely that the car would protect you if, if it crashed. So the engine would just come straight out of the, out of the chassis of the car and, and, and you know, hit you. Oh. Uh, or you'd go through the windows because you're not wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> or... Um, or, or the, or the thing would catch fire. The fuel tank would would catch fire, and the car would essentially burn uh, before you could get out of it, uh, because the fuel tank's not protected from fire properly. You know, all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, horror, horror, horror stuff. Like actual horror happens in normal life. Stuff scares me. And also, pandemics are quite horrific, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, if this one was worse, if this killed you, like outright, we'd be fucked. Sorry about the language. <laughs> I mean, if it killed you, if you if you got infected by it, and it, it definitely would it kill you, like yeah. like uh, within a matter of hours. Well, within a ma- it doesn't matter within a matter of weeks, whatever. But if it actually, because it seems a lot of people can pick this up and not really have that many side effects, the one we've got at the moment. But if it was a much more sort of nasty disease, mm. the world would not cope. Yeah. It could bring the world to I its mean, knees. Breakdown of society is the ultimate fear for me. The ultimate scary thing. The zombie apocalypse, you know, but without the zombies. You don't need the zombies. All you need is just the people. people. Yeah, people are... Hell is other people. Have you ever heard that phrase? Yeah, Nietzsche. 
No, no, not Nietzsche. Jean-Paul Sartre. What am I talking about? Jean-Paul Sartre, isn't it? Hell is other people. It's Jean-Paul yeah, Sartre. Yeah, sounds right. That's- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know the joke is that um, you know he said hell is other people and he was French. So if you you know <laughs> than any anyone, he lived in France. Well, so. No one else could have come up with that. <laughs> God say hell is French France. people. He means hell is French people. But um, no, we were just joking, of course. Uh, hell is other hell is other people. But also uh, Robert Crumb said hell is other people. Yeah, but hell is yourself too. Yeah. Yeah. You were trapped in your own head. You know, that's hell, isn't it? Oh, God, this is depressing. Let's move on. Let's just finally then... Two scary movies. Okay, listeners, that is where we are going to stop part two. But this marathon episode will continue in part three, in which James and I are going to talk about scary films and some other bits and pieces on this theme. If you liked hearing our stories in this episode, you could check out some other episodes from the archive, which are similar. Uh, Here they are. There are just two of them that I'd like to recommend. So there's episode 140. That's the one I mentioned earlier. And that's the ghost stories episode in which I tell four weird and disturbing stories from my life. Okay, episode 140, ghost stories. Just a heads up about that episode there is quite a long and waffling introduction to that episode what a surprise so if you'd like to skip the long introduction and just get straight to the stories you should fast forward to about 17 minutes into the episode start listening from 17 minutes in if you want to get straight to those stories you will hear the scary clock story again plus three other weird anecdotes So that's episode 140, starting 17 minutes into the episode, if you want to hear some more weird, creepy stories. Also, there's episode 700... No, 700? You haven't got that far, Luke. (laughs) Also, there's episode 372, which was called The Importance of Anecdotes in English. And that one contains four true stories told by my mum, my dad, James and me. At least three of them are quite frightening including the time James got stranded in a town called Hastings and he ended up sleeping on a stranger's sofa and it got a bit weird. Uh, Also, my dad had a confrontation with a taxi driver in Greece when he was a student and I had a taste of the violent underworld crime scene in Liverpool when I used to live there. That perhaps sounds worse than it is. I didn't end up in the mafia or something. Basically, one evening, a poor guy who'd been kidnapped by drug dealers ended up at our front door and my housemates and I took him in without really realising what was happening. And the next thing we knew, we had a bleeding, traumatised stranger in our house and potentially some armed drug dealers outside looking for him. That was fun, he said sarcastically. Oh, such lovely days as a student in Liverpool in the 90s. Anyway, that's an episode with four anecdotes told by my family, and it is episode 372. There's some language teaching about narrative tenses at the beginning and how to tell an anecdote. But if you want to skip straight to the stories again, then you'll need to jump ahead to the 34-minute mark. So that's episode 372, 34 minutes in. Okay, But that's it for this episode. As I said earlier, I'd be curious to know if you've ever had similar experiences to James or me. I wouldn't be surprised at all if you've been through much more frightening and dangerous things than us. 
and I'm sure you have some stories to tell. Have you ever experienced sleep paralysis like I described earlier? Have you ever had a really scary ride on a motorbike or perhaps something even more dangerous? Have you ever had a near-death experience or just been freaked out by something you can't really explain? Leave your comments in the comments section if you fancy sharing your story with the Lepsters. The final part of this unnerving trilogy will be arriving soon. In the meantime, please stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy, if at all possible, and I will speak to you next time. But for now, goodbye. Bye. 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 For listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.